What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 11 of the Four Birds Podcast. Hope you've had a great week and a great Thanksgiving. This week's podcast, we're actually missing Sid, so we're missing one of the verts. So I guess it'll be the three verts this week. Uh, but anyways, it's the same content, so I hope you enjoy, and let's get it. We're going to start off with Georgia, Mississippi State. And you love starting off with me, don't you? Um, well, you know, as I talked about last week, uh, coming in this game, we were going to see JT, and uh, he indeed did start the game and uh, showed out. After that first drive, he dusted the cobwebs off and had a pretty, pretty good game, pretty efficient game. You know, I'm, I'm excited. Because, you know, we finally have a quarterback that can throw it downfield and give our receivers a chance. On the other hand, you know, it was against Mississippi State. They've given up a lot of points uh, to the teams they've already played this year. So, you know, you, got, you, you can look at it both ways. But I'm excited about uh, this offense and these last two or three games we're going to have. You know, uh, from a running standpoint on the offensive side, it didn't go too well. Mississippi State really did stop the run. I think minus the uh, QB sacks, I think we only had like 20 or 30 yards rushing on the night, and that's kind of unheard of in our offense, especially, you know, these last five, six years. Um, we've always been running the ball pretty well. Part of the reason why is uh, their their defense alignment, they run a three three five, so – it's kind of designed to stop the run a little more because you throw more of your athletes out on the field opposed to your bigger guys. Um, but at the same time, they did blitz a good amount. Uh, I was about to say they're the just, a gap. Yeah, they're just blitzing all game. <clears throat> yeah, they were they were hitting the A and B gaps uh, really well. We couldn't run inside in between the tackles much at all, you know, and that has to do with guys on the line. Only a couple guys on the line – play pretty good games. One guy we'll call out is Justin Schaefer, the left guard. He had a terrible game. He uh, got abused. And I don't know if it was because he was confused with some alignment or uh, play calls or what what have you, but um, he did Shit, not he was, he was probably confused as to why the linebacker kept coming and hitting him in the face. <laughs> yeah. There was one play I saw where the dude literally just – hit a juke move on him on the line and just turned turn him completely around. It was it was interesting to see. But uh, they did a good job stopping the run. Um, honestly, if JT didn't play that game, we probably would have lost because you will not see that downfield production from Stetson or Dwan. We haven't seen that all year. JT completed 14 of 16 throws outside the numbers uh, for 232 yards and two touchdowns. That's the best uh, any quarterback's done this year for us. 
Pinkins also being back uh, helped out a lot along with JT because, you know, Pinkins got the ball early, but then they started um, – they brought the safety over a couple times on top of Pinkins um, after he caught a few passes, which opened up Jermaine one-on-one. And uh, Jermaine showed why he was a big recruit um, in this class from this year. Yeah, he went crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him and uh, – Whenever Roseman gets healthy, I'm excited for that duo next year as well. I've been kind of, I've been kind of waiting on Jermaine Burton to, to break out like that because him in the recruiting process, he was a really highly touted guy. So it was just a matter of time before he broke out. Yeah, it was good to see him, you know, snap. And I think that had a lot, a lot to do with a guy that could throw him the ball, you know, past 15 yards because he does create good separation from guys. Um, even though, you know, Mississippi State doesn't have these corners or safeties that are, are talking about getting drafted, but, you know, it's still, still SEC, Power Five football. So you got to give them some credit. Pickens was targeted 12 times, um, which is also a big reason why I think Jermaine was open a lot. Daniels, I'm also excited not only about the Jermaine connection, but Pickens connection with JT. I feel like that connection is going to be a little stronger because he targeted Pickens 12 times on Saturday, especially on third down. Four of his eight receptions were on important third downs, and they all went for a first down or a touchdown when he threw it to Pickens on third down. So that will be a good connection in the future. The only thing I will say about JT, um, after I just praise him a little bit, um, his – Mobility um, kind of concerns me a little bit. Not in the sense where the play is supposed to be pushed outside the tackle, like that uh, good run and throw he had to Pickens uh, for the touchdown. But um, Yeah, like design rollouts. Yeah, yeah, not design rollouts. So when he's in the pocket and he's getting blitzed, there were a couple sacks he took where he couldn't really move well. He kind of just – He looked a little bit like Matt Ryan. Yeah, he just did a couple of stutter steps and said, all right, screw it, and kind of just went down when, he, when somebody was in his face, which that, you know, that concerns me a little bit. But hopefully Munkin sees that and realizes we got to get the ball out of his hands pretty quick, which, you know, that can happen. I also like Munkin's play calling. He spread the receivers out pretty well. JT could use his athletic arm like that throw to Burton um, over the middle over two defenders, um, didn't really step into it, just kind of slung it sidearm. Um, it was a good touchdown. But, um, yeah, offense offense was uh, pretty good throughout the game. No turnovers, which is always huge. You know, running game, obviously, wish we could do better in that aspect, but the passing game made up for it. On the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of questions. Um, I'll just start with, you know, it was – it was rough seeing uh, – watching that game and just seeing how easy Will Rogers uh, was able to throw the ball three, five yards ahead of him. I mean, it looked like flag football. Just – he was carving us up early in the game, pretty much all th- the first three quarters. Um, and it weren't – like, he was making good throws too. Our, our guys were just playing soft coverage. Their strategy was obviously um, everyone else's – Besides LSU, you know, rush three, drop eight, get rid of that deep threat. 
linebackers, I don't know why they didn't realize it until the fourth quarter that dropping back five, ten yards from the after hut is a good idea, especially when they keep throwing it in front of your face. And actually, the secondary did come out and say that they were confused all night, which, you know, I think that aspect that hurts a little counts that back there because, you know, he's kind of the guy that gets them all situated. Um, he's a quarterback of the defense. Um, it's also Mike Leach. Yes, it also is Mike Leach, which after the game, he said that's one of the best games they've had all year, or the best game they've had all year, especially for him play call-wise because everything clicked. Um, yeah, I mean, they ran the ball 12 times and threw 52. So, I mean, you're bound to give up some yards if they're 52 times on you. Yeah, that and I'm, I guess I'm kind of going at it from a Alabama-Florida game as well because we just can't seem to – cover the middle of the field on guys or teams that are good at passing the ball this year. You know, I thought we would have got a little better after Alabama shredded us and, you know, they got great receivers out wide, you know, I figured, oh, it's just Alabama, but it, it seems that, you know, our secondary is just not about covering. And that has a lot to do with our safety play. Guys like Tyreek Stevenson and Mark Webb aren't cover guys at all. You know, they're the guys that are going to hit you in the mouth, and they do that well. But covering one-on-one -on -one is not what they do well. I will I will give you all a stat. On the season, Webb has a 50.6 coverage grade in one-on-one -on -one situations, which is – Yikes. Yeah, not good. As it, This is even worse, this right here. Um, as a team – Jordan has a 46.7 coverage grade in single coverage situations, which is 10th in the SEC. As a team? As a team. 10th in the SEC and in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Yeah. One-on-one -on -one mm. coverage. Okay. That's, not, that's Florida, not good. Florida and Bama really did y'all like that, though. Yeah, they did. They did it with that one-on-one. -on -one. Cause I mean, that's what, that's what our defense has been about. You know, that's what Kirby likes to do. He likes to put his corners on an Island and yeah, you make, blitz make and plays. play main coverage behind it. That's, yeah. that's it. So that's what you do. And this year it's just not, not going well. In addition to that, the team is allowed um, 1,046 receiving yards in single coverage, um, which is also the second most in the SEC only behind LSU and LSU is booty cheeks this year. So that's that's what um, that's what I'm talking about, the secondary. I don't know what's going on, but we got to get it together in the secondary because we are liable there right now. And I don't know if it's because there's a bunch of young guys or whatever, but, you know, we need to get that figured out. On defense, uh, to end with defense, um, Nicobe Dean led the team in tackles for the third straight game with 12 he's all over the field you know his coverage can get a little better um there are times where the running back deeks him a little bit but you know it happens i like watching him play things i want to see on defense from more of is uh adam anderson that dude has the highest grade on our defense you know he obviously doesn't have as many snaps i think he has like 100 pure snaps the next guy but that dude he he's a playmaker every time he comes in he's a, probably second behind Ojolari and, and you know our best pass rushers I don't know why he's not on the field more you know I feel like 
a four two five would have been just as good against Mississippi State. But you know, that's not what happened. Also, one more thing. I want to see this this combination. I saw someone post it and I thought about it a little bit and we actually got a little glimpse of it in the Mississippi State game. Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, and DJ Daniel all on the field at the same time because they usually rotate in corners and they're not all on the field together. Then this guy was talking about Campbell playing the star kind of slot corner guy instead of out wide. And he did. He had three snaps against Mississippi State and had back-to-back tackles on out of those three snaps. So, you know, I feel like moving these guys around would be beneficial. And uh, also a guy y'all haven't really heard of this year, but y'all did last year a little bit, is Nolan Smith. He was a huge prospect coming in last year, five-star guy, defensive end, hasn't played much at all. Even though yeah, – Where's he been? Well, the way our defense is set up, there's only – we only have one edge rusher, and it's Ojolari right now. And it's Ojolari, um, Jermaine Johnson, that's, that's Adam so Anderson, stupid. and then Nolan Smith. So, we have four – we have four guys at edge rusher. Those are your most start. athletic guys. Exactly. Why do you not have – that's so stupid. But instead, they, they run uh, nose tackle, defensive tackle, and a defensive end, and then the edge rusher. We should do two edge rushers, a nose and a D tackle. I don't – because Malik do Herring – Everybody's an edge rusher. Just sack them every play. Yeah. And, <laughs> and your secondary won't be an issue anymore. <laughs> because Malik Herring, to me, is kind of overrated um, this year. He's not really – being very productive, he's more of a run stopper than a pass rusher. And teams like Mississippi State, you don't really need him out there on the field. Um, might free y'all coming up Saturday, Jacob, but last Saturday that was not the case. Yeah. Overall, you know, some upside. We came out in the black jerseys, five and one all time in blacks. I liked them. They looked good. Uh, JT had a great game, you know. Hopefully he carries that over this Saturday. Want to see some work on the secondary. Um, you know, other than that, um, I'm glad we got the win. We barely got it out of there, but, you know, one's a win. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State played really a hell of a game, honestly. Mostly defensively. I mean, their offense is going to throw the ball around and, and probably find some creases. But defensively, I thought they played really well. I mean, they gave up 400 yards in the air, but still, it is Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll get into the South Carolina versus Missouri recap. Um, another loss, not super surprising, honestly, uh, but it was really kind of a game. It was a tale of two halves, I guess. So the first half, South Carolina scored, or not scored, South Carolina had 68 total yards, 39 passing, 29 rushing, zero points. In the first half, Missouri had 212 yards, 140 passing, 72 rushing for 17 points. And then when we transitioned over to the second half, South Carolina put up 215 yards in the second half, 130 through the air, 85 on the ground for 10 points. And then Missouri only had 89 yards, uh, 63 passing, 26 rushing for zero points. So, you know, it was, it was really the, the, flip, the flip switched at halftime, I guess. Um, Halftime adjustments, I don't know. Maybe it's the impact of, of bringing in the new quarterback, Luke Doty. I'm not really sure, but the whole team started playing better in the second half. 
Uh, speaking of Luke Doty, he was 14 for 23 for 130 with one interception, which, you know, the stats on paper don't, you know, they sound pretty mediocre, but it was really the, the impact that he had on the game, the energy he brought into the game. Um, after Conhill's first half, you know, six for 10, 39 yards, Mizzou was able to stack a box and focus on shutting down the run, which they did. And then, like I said, Luke Doty comes in the second half, really sparks up the team. Doty gets the offense moving in the second half, even though we can't really run the ball effectively. And Shaw Smith was out with a concussion. So he's missing. He's without the, the run game that South Carolina relies so heavily on and without the only receiver that really can catch the ball. But, you know, Luke Doty came in there and he, and he did his thing. I like seeing him maneuver in the pocket and scramble. You know, I haven't seen a quarterback in a Carolina jersey that can – I can run like that in a long time. But, I mean, even when he was scrambling out of the pocket, you could see him keeping his eyes downfield, going through progressions, looking for guys open, and it, it, kind of his last thought was to run. He didn't really have happy feet. You know, like guys you, you see like Bo Nix, he makes one read and then he gets scared and runs out of the pocket even if there's not pressure. Doty didn't really do that. Um, if he had to escape the pocket, he did, but he kept his eyes downfield, uh, like I said. And then, you know, doesn't see anybody. He can tuck it, and he's, he's fast, man. He runs four five, high four fours, somewhere in that. So he can outrun edge rushers and get outside, and he can outrun most linebackers, I feel like. So, and then, you know, I think the biggest, biggest thing he needs to work on, I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, you know, he has the arm to make all the throws, uh, but he's still kind of developing mechanically and footwork-wise. But, yeah, I mean, for him, the moment wasn't too big. He didn't seem to get rattled or anything. It seemed like he was having fun out there. And the unfortunate interception at the end, I mean, the dude was thrown into, you know, a game where you're down 17 nothing. He's a true freshman getting his first time in SEC play. And, you know, he just – Missouri was playing a lot of man that game, uh, pretty much all game. And then that the play through the interception, they dropped back into kind of a, a – two underneath zone, both linebackers drop back into coverage and, and Luke just misread it and, and misjudged the window. So that was unfortunate, but that's something he can learn learn from, I guess. You know, like I said, Missouri only gained 89 yards in the second half. So the defense really came out and stepped up, even with all the depth problems and uh, the DBs that opted out and the D-line depth and all that stuff. They came out and they played hard, which was nice to see. But yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised we lost. I actually honestly enjoyed watching the game because I'm I'm hopeful that Luke Doty is going to be a good player. But, you know, you got to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. I'm seeing a lot of uh, Gamecock fans on social medias and on, on the forums and stuff like that talking about how he's going to be, you know, the next savior and all that stuff. And you got to kind of pump the brakes on that. I'm talking to myself a little bit here too because – I'm like that a little bit, but I mean, he's, he's still just a freshman. He's still just, you know, learning everything. He has all the tools to be a great quarterback, but he's got to be able to put it together. So, I mean, the game was what it was, you know, we, we couldn't stop enough in the first half and just couldn't score quite enough in the second half. So it is what it is, but hopeful for the future. Now that Colin Hill has finally been removed from his job and Luke Doty placed there. So. Yeah, I think I think as long as Doty is there, you at least have some hope. 
Yeah. Like that's that's the one positive to take away from this. Like this is his audition for the last what three games? Yeah. Who do y'all play? I'll play Georgia, then who? Kentucky. And that's it? Yeah, that's it. I don't know how the whole bowl I mean, game especially works against in, Kentucky. But I don't think. Yeah, but I mean specifically against Kentucky because Kentucky is a good defense, but that's a team you can beat. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see him start yeah. though. See but if it's also changes at all. Also, the offensive line has been so up and down. They've been throughout the season. They've been consistently better run blocking and consistently worse pass blocking. So a guy like Luke Doty really opens up a lot of options there because. He can scramble, he can get out of the pocket, and you know, a guy like Colin Hill, he couldn't. He would just kind of fall over. So when you have a O line that isn't, you know, super sound in the pass blocking, it's good to have a guy that can get out of there and escape, extend plays, and stuff like that. So it's nice. What would you do? Yeah, and the other thing is he can he can actually be involved in the running game, like design stuff, quarterback draws. Some of the kind of stuff that can offset your your line being a little bit shaky. So, yeah, I mean, shit, we we ran little read option, zone option type things with Colin Hill in the game sometimes. So, just keep that going. Just run that consistently, honestly. Because you got Kevin Harris and Luke Doty. They're both guys that can. Well, I mean, we have a very small sample size of Luke Doty, but they're two guys that that can really hurt you. So. What if uh, Colin Hill walks out Saturday? I'll be extremely upset. <laughs> extremely upset. I told um, you I'll move with you because that would be pathetic. Yeah. But we can get into the get into the questions, Sam, if you want to take it away. All right. So first one we got here, uh, does Georgia have a better record this season if JT Daniels is the starter all year? Hmm. I've seen that question a lot. <laughs> so tell me, what do you think? I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into it, um, which, you know, we won't sit here and discuss. But I don't think we beat Alabama. I think we lose that game no matter who's at quarterback, first off, because their offense just – Mac Jones shredded us. The only game that I do think would have been closer, I'm not saying we would have beat Florida, but I think it would have been closer because you also got to think about, you know, if our offense does have him and we're rolling, you know, we're taking time away from Trask that game. So you not only look at our offense production in that game is probably going to be a little better, but also it's going to keep Trask off the field, just maybe not score 44. You know, I don't think it would have been – we would have won, you know – no doubt with him, but it definitely would have made the game a lot, a lot closer. Probably like a three-point, you know, six-point game instead of what was it, four, sixteen? So you know, it's hard to look back and say, you know, we'd be better. Um, obviously, we probably would be, but it wouldn't. I think it would just change the Florida game a little bit. I don't think it would change the Alabama game though. Yeah, I was thinking. I mean. For Georgia to have a better season, you got to look at who they lost to. And who they lost to is two extremely, extremely good teams in Alabama and Florida with really, really good offenses. But especially like you were saying, Florida, Florida's defense has not been very consistent this year. So, you know, 
I'm not saying you do win if JT Daniels is in, but I think you have a better chance at it. Oh, yeah. And even in the Alabama game, I think you have a better chance at winning because you don't have Stetson throwing three picks. Yeah. So. But, you know, if he, if he was healthy, you know, and he came in to join to the, you know, locker room and started the playbook a lot earlier than, you know, what was it, June or July? You know, if he came in in the spring and was healthy and full steam week one, I think it definitely would be – the year would be a little different. But, you know, it's hard to say that because he's just – they said he wasn't really ready until the Missouri game after Florida anyway. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. What's your take on it, Sam? Um, I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with you, Vinny, because I feel like no matter who you have at quarterback from your roster – Bama's probably going to beat you either way. Yeah. So Bama is a given, and I think I think having JT Daniels because when you read off the stats for that that game against Florida, you know Stetson Bennett and Dwan Mathis they they had probably what a dozen combined targets like downfield. Oh yeah, it was um, their combined completion was under fifty. So yeah, so I'm sitting here thinking if you have JT Daniels. Which against the blitz, we'll see. But yeah. if you have JT Daniels hypothetically throwing the same passes, he can make the throw. Yeah. Like you might not hit all of them, but if you hit, you hit three quarters of them. I mean, half of them. Hell. So I mean, I, I agree that I think Bama's probably a wash, but I, I, I don't, I don't think you beat Florida. Assuming all else stays the same, I don't think you beat Florida with him. So, but I, I definitely yeah. think it would have been a closer game. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, like, for the Florida because game. Because Florida was going to continue to score, at just the way Bama was. Yeah, that's why I brought up the time possession. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so the, for, only, that's the only difference it probably would have made. For, I mean, for the Florida game, the stats for the Georgia quarterbacks, Stetson and DeWine, they were nine for 29. Yeah. So, you have JT throw 29 passes – I could probably just look at look at the film from Mississippi State and tell you he's going to complete at least fifty percent of them. Oh yeah, at least. And yeah. The, the yeah. thing is, we put up twenty eight with that production as yeah, well. Yeah. So just know. just right there, that you know, that extends some Georgia drives, limits uh, Florida's time possession. I mean, it. I, I think it's entirely. It's all spec. It's it's all speculation, but. I think JT probably gave you a better chance if he now barring he's he's healthy this game all hypothetical because I guess he wasn't but but yeah I mean it is what it is but I, I think we all agree that it, it it certainly makes it a closer game yeah well I think we can all agree that that he's the best quarterback on the roster by, yeah he by, makes the team by, by, a, by a decent margin yeah yeah he, he makes the team so much better yeah he does. even when you like you think about Georgia teams in the past when you run the ball that badly. You lose. Like, yeah, you're going to lose. That that's exactly how you lose these games you've lost the past three or four years, because you couldn't run the ball and you certainly couldn't throw it, not consistently yep. enough. But it'll be interesting to see how he finishes out the season, and if he stays. Shoot, I hope he stays after this point. I agree. I hope he stays yeah. as well. All right, next one. Let's see. Okay, uh, so we've seen. A little bit of this. Um, so, do we start to see teams with poor records 
players opting out or other injury issues start to use COVID as a way around games as we move into the last three weeks of the Power Five schedule. So this is, you know, indirectly about Florida State. I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. Um, but also just about, you know, teams like Carolina, where you have your two, you know, best players in the secondary at least, two of your better players on defense, supposedly. I don't know where mcquama has been all year, but you take two of those guys and you opt out. Now you have a walk-on 37 at safety. You have other players like that. Like, if y'all were banged up injury-wise, do you just tell Georgia, hey, like, dude, like, we got COVID? So not not specifically I mean, saying not specifically saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but my point being that the teams that have injuries or, or opt outs or they're just they just suck. Like do they start to quit and use COVID? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean if we kind of rearrange the question a little bit, do we see teams with poor records have more opt outs and you know, people COVID related type opt outs, stuff like that? Yeah, probably. But, you know, as a way around games, I'm not sure if that really – because the Florida State thing, that's kind of – you know, there's there's two ways of looking at it, I guess. But, Fair enough. But I don't know. I mean, they could, but I definitely don't see South Carolina doing it. I would hope not. I would certainly <laughs> hope not. Oh, and – this is related to COVID. I do want to give a shout out to Mike Leach. Much more respect for that guy um, traveling with 49 players to Athens. He was playing with played, many guys. Yeah, played the off. And damn near winning. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. I'm excited to see, you know, the West get better and dethrone Alabama, hopefully, down the road. <laughs> but, yeah, coming back to the topic, I don't – I mean, at this point, if there's only a couple – Games left. I don't see many other players doing it team wise. Yeah, I think we're going to see more postpones just because they're going to be cancellations at this point. Just because, you know, it is allegedly spreading a lot more. But, you know, who knows? All right. Let's see. What do we have? Um, so, just some general statistical questions, a little bit of trivia here. So the first one, these are multiple choice, by the way. So the first one is who leads the country in passing yards? You got Dylan Gabriel, A, B is Zach Wilson, C is Sam Howell, D is Shane Bichelle. This one's difficult because all those guys have a, a shit ton of passing yards. What was the uh, first one? I don't have my uh... – Dylan, Dylan Gabriel, Zach Wilson, Sam Howell, Shane Buchel. Ooh, let's see here. As he looks it up. No, nah, I don't. I don't like looking it up. I want to. Shane. I know Shane Buchel's gone off. I'm gonna yeah, say he has I'm, hell of yards. I'm gonna say Zach. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. He also has. That's yards. yeah. That's a good one too. But I. I don't. Does he have a bunch of yards? I mean, I know he has a good amount of yards, but I feel like his whole thing is like he's just super efficient. Well, I kind of screwed y'all over because these are the top four in yards. So they all have a ton of yards. <laughs> in order? <laughs> Maybe. Dang. I don't remember. 
It's Dylan Gabriel. U- UFC, right? UCF. Yeah, UCF. UCF. Jeez, my bad. <laughs> UFC. <laughs> <laughs> um, dang. Yeah. I wasn't yep. expecting that. Dylan Gabriel. So next one. Um, we'll what stay is, what is it, by the way? Do you remember? Uh, it's a little bit over 3,000. I think he's like 3,100. It's a Dang. lot. Sheesh. Yeah. So, let's see. Next one. We have who leads the country in interceptions? A, Chase Bryce. B, Jeff Sims. C, Matt Corral. D, Malik Cunningham. <laughs> I, I, Another one, dude. I couldn't even tell you. And, again, these are the think. top four. And these are the top four. Well, I know, I know, Matt. These are four of the top five. I take that back. These are four of the top five. I didn't want to load up on one conference, so I that is four of the top five. Well, I know, I know, Matt Corral had a game where he had four. I think um, he had six against Arkansas. Yeah, six. Maybe that was it. But other after that, I don't think he's thrown many. I was gonna say I don't think it's Matt Corral. No, I know Matt Corral has nine. I know Jeff Sims. I, I feel like I, I feel like I heard them say this last weekend at some point. Yeah, I, I, think might, I, I think I think it's Chase Bryce, but I don't really know. I haven't really watched Malik Cunningham that much. I don't really yeah, know. I, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say Chase or Malik. Mainly well, Malik Cunningham. I'm, Malik Cunningham has eleven. Matt Corral has nine. Just for context. Uh, well, I haven't been following Chase Bryce at all at Duke, so I just know he hasn't been playing well at all. I have, I couldn't even tell you. The answer is Chase Bryce with yes. twelve. I knew 12, I heard that. Yes. I knew I heard it. Twelve. Sims has eleven. Corral has nine. Cunningham has nine, or Cunningham has eleven. Excuse me. Sheesh. And now onto the most obscure one of the week. So, gentlemen, there is one Power Five kicker who is a hundred percent. On extra points and field goals. Now this is a this is a minimum of three games. There's a couple guys in there that have played one game or two games. So you got to have played at least three games to qualify for this. But a hundred percent extra points and field goals. One power five kicker. What team does he play for? We got Bama, UNC, Baylor, or LSU. Bama. I I literally have no idea. You don't like Cade York, LSU. I, I don't Divinity. even I don't even know his name. I was Divinity, just you came you came out the gate like. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I just feel like I guess Bama because I feel like they haven't kicked many field goals this year. So, and if they do kick, it's going to be inside the thirty. So that's why that's why I guess that could be wrong. That's pretty good reasoning. Yeah, that's actually really I just, good logic. I just I just really honestly have no idea. Well. Divinity, confidence is key. It's Bama. Let's go. Now, I didn't. I didn't actually. Uh, I didn't pay much attention uh, to, in terms of like how far the field goals were, how many they were kicking. But you're you're exactly right though, because Bama's kicker. There's no way he has a field goal attempt of more than like 45 yards. Oh, maybe no. maybe past 40. No shot. Because he doesn't have. Dude, he's probably like three for three on the season. <laughs> <laughs> I probably just had that whole question and, and didn't even do due diligence. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, so that's that's all we got. So I guess I guess from here we'll uh we'll transition into some games, some previews for next week, right? Yeah, Sam, if you want to go ahead and start off with the Clemson versus Pitts. 
since Clemson hadn't played in a while. Yeah, been a long few weeks, uh, especially coming off a loss. Uh, makes it even worse. But the good news is Florida State thing is hopefully behind us by the time you're hearing this. I'm tired of hearing about it. Uh, so I'm not really going to talk about it a whole lot. But Pitt, Pitt's actually a pretty good team. Pitt's only five and four. But you got to think they had, I think, two, maybe three games. I know at least Miami and Notre Dame. I think those are the two games where uh, they had to play their backup quarterback. Kenny Pickett was hurt, uh, a little bit of an ankle injury. But Kenny Pickett's back. Now, when Kenny Pickett got hurt, they were leading the country in passing yards. They were going crazy because they're just chunking it. So, really, from play calling, they're a lot like Boston College. And I got really in-depth with with that, you know, Boston College kind of like scheme thing I did for their preview. So, I'm not going to do that for this. But they're, they're very similar in how they use uh, play action and how they just attack the seams. Like, they don't have any, any real tight end involved in the game. Most of it's 10 and 11 personnel. So they're, they're one running back, maybe a tight end every now and then. But the tight end is not really involved. They have a bunch of really good slot receivers. But I'll get into that a little bit. So when Clemson has the ball on offense, um, actually before I even get there, so with injuries, obviously we've been, we've been down for the count for the last few weeks, um, but it's actually been good because this is probably the healthiest Clemson's going to be really from the get-go, probably since the season opener is probably the healthiest we've been. Um, so last week, Ladson, uh, the receiver, and James Kowski were the only two guys that were definitely going to be out. Everybody else was basically day-to-day, which I take that to mean they're practicing. They're going to dress. We'll put them in the game, and if they feel good, they'll keep playing. That's how yeah. I take that. Yeah. So – those are the only two guys that weren't going to play for FSU. I think maybe we get them back this week, maybe not. It is what it is. Um, so we'll be really healthy uh, just in terms of having bodies back, especially defensively. But when Clemson has the ball, I think the biggest thing is that Clemson hasn't played in three weeks, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't played in a month. So for him, it's just going to be about trying to settle in. It's obviously, like I said, it's it's been it's been over a month. It's been since Syracuse game. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily expect him to be rusty, but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if he was a little bit. Um, but I think that's sort of to be expected in terms of the run game. We've, I talked about this last week, um, but we have to be more creative just because, you know, defensive, the defensive line for Pitt is super, super good. They have two really, really good defensive ends. I don't know a whole lot about their defensive tackles, but their two defensive ends are really good. Um, they got a couple linebackers that are good. Obviously, the two safeties, DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford, probably preseason. That's your your best safety duo probably in the country. Like, they're both for real. So, obviously, Paris Ford has opted out since then. But they actually have a very, very good defense. So, just to break it down a little bit, in terms of third down defense, Pitt's 31st in the country. So, not great. But they're tied for 11th in the country with 14 forced turnovers. In terms of allowing touchdowns in the red zone, they've had 19 defensive possessions go inside the red zone, only nine touchdowns. So they're first in the nation um, in tackles for loss, averaging 11 and a half a game. Um, They're first in the country in sacks with 38 as a team. I didn't know that. That's about five a game. So (laughs) holy shit. The pit defense, like, is for real. 
And Paris Ford back there as a safety is probably the most, like in terms of NFL talent, he's probably the guy that's on team's radar. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't exactly know how he'll be rated, but he's probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe like second, third round. Like he's really good. It's probably because what he's on pit. That's why not a lot of people know about him. Just yeah, and that's the coverage. thing though, because they they started out undefeated, then they had a really bad stretch. Kenny Pickett got hurt, and then the the stretch got worse. So they're five and four, but I, I think their record really doesn't do them justice. I think they're actually a really good team, but again, you know, like I was talking about, we have to find other ways to get Travis the football. I feel like we we just pound inside zones regardless of whether or not they're going to work. And to some extent you have to do that set up pass and RPOs, but it's a little excessive. So we have to find other ways to get in the ball because we do that in that little quick screen where you flare out the tackle and that's it. It's him and an outside receiver and, a, and an offensive lineman. Like teams are, teams are already picking up on that. So have to find other ways to get Travis the football. Uh, Cornell Powell still needs more targets. Uh, I hope I hope that the the time off has been good for Joe Ngata because um, we really need him back to play the boundary. So that same position that you know T Higgins and Justin Ross and all those guys play that that boundary spot, where we can just go throwing 50-50 balls. I would love to see him back. Um, so the offensive line doesn't like we're changing anything up there. Uh, we'll probably just see a lot more Walker Parks and Paul Tio. Hopefully keep the uh, the starters fresher and maybe maybe make the unit as a whole a little bit a little bit more productive because it, it certainly can't get a whole lot worse than it was against Notre Dame. But again, just, you know, highlighting their defense a little bit. I talked about the safeties, but they both have three picks on the season. Obviously, Paris Ford is done for the year, but he's already got three that's tied for the ACC lead. Um, defensive line has a bunch of experience. Patrick Jones, number 91, he's, he's probably their best uh, defensive lineman. His defense has been a little bit undersized, but he, he leads the ACC with eight sacks. Uh, they got Savosier Dennis, a linebacker, sophomore guy. He's actually really small. He's like 5'10", 205, 215, something like that, playing uh, linebacker. But he's super fast. Like he's just sideline to sideline. He's, re- he's really a safety playing linebacker. But he, he leads the team with 13 tackles for loss. So 91 and 32, those are two guys you're going to see everywhere. Uh, DeMar Hamlin as well. But – I think a lot of Pitt's defense, honestly, and as far as Pitt's offense goes, I, you know, Kenny Pickett's a good player, frankly. You know, even, you know, since he's come back against Florida State and then, you know, this past week against Virginia Tech, but Jordan Allison is a, is a freshman slot receiver. He hasn't had them in the last game or two. Um, but their backup, DJ Turner, number seven, is kind of a guy that reminds me of Amari Rogers. Um, he's kind of short, built like a running back like that. Um, but he came in at the backup to Addison last week and just went crazy. He's also their punt returner, so he's a guy to watch out for. Um, probably one of their better playmakers. Uh, they have number 11 at receiver. I believe his name is Mack. Um, he's kind of long, lanky. He's, he's the one that they'll throw to in the red zone a little bit more. But like I said, they're a pass-first offense. I mean, they're – let's see, when, when Kenny Pickett's in the game, this is a team that's averaging 33-and-a-half pass attempts. Uh, so, like I said earlier, almost exclusively 10 and 11 personnel. Tight ends aren't very involved. They want four wide receiver looks, and they're going to throw it. Um, they do a lot of underneath stuff, but they'll also – I mean, they're going to take their shots, obviously. 
they're very one dimensional though. That's, that's where they can be attacked because their offensive line is, is starting uh, three freshmen, I believe. I know they started three freshmen last week. Um, but against us, I think our defensive line will probably be a little bit more productive against their offense. I hope, um, certainly not going to be a, a Virginia or, or, uh, or Notre Dame caliber offensive line. Uh, so I hope our defensive line can be a little bit, a little bit more consistent in applying pressure because that's really how you beat them. If you can apply pressure, you can really just shut them down. Um, but like I said about Pitt, they're, I mean, they're leading rushers. He's only averaging three yards a carry. So especially if we have Tyler Davis back in the middle, we can stuff that. I, I don't see them running the ball very effectively. You know, and I think their offense is, is built a little bit like Syracuse in the sense that they're going to they're going to take their shots. And, and I think they might hit one or two. But I'm not I'm not necessarily so concerned about their offense, especially because we're going to get Tyler Davis back in the middle. Um, maybe James Kowski, probably not, but it's possible. Uh, Mike Jones will be back for see all these guys that were banged up against Notre Dame. They'll all be back. Uh, so not really too concerned with our defense. But just keys to the game, I've only got two. Really just Travis needs to be given a chance. Um, we haven't been able to block him back to the line of scrimmage the last couple of games, which is sad. Um, I mean, you have to give him something. And against, you know, Miami, we had some success because their defensive line looked really good statistically speaking. But it was really just because their defensive ends, Rocher and what's his name, Phillips, were so productive that they had all the stats. Like they had a bunch of sacks, tax for loss, pressures, all that. And I think Pitt is a little bit the same. Um, because Jones on the outside just puts up so many, so many stats. I can't remember the guy on the other side, but he's, he's also been pretty productive. Uh, so I feel like we're going to have to use the same game plan we did against Miami, just trying to, to find different ways to get Travis the ball into the backfield with the, you know, quick pass game, sweeps, toss plays, little stuff like that, just to go ahead and get him to the edge, um, but also to eliminate a pass rush from their defensive ends. So, um, but we've been pretty good in pass protection, so it'll be interesting to see how we hold up, how badly their defensive line controls the line of scrimmage, because I think they probably will for the most part. And then defensively, we just need to force the action. I think without having Tyler Davis in the middle and, and Skowski in the middle of the field, you know, just running sideline to sideline, cleaning stuff up, I think we've had to be a little bit more reactionary. I think with Brent Venables, we're used to just blitzing all night, regardless, because we know – if we can get pressure on you, we can cover you well enough in the back to just make it make it miserable. And that's not what we've been able to do because of personnel. So we had to play a little bit more conservative. So hopefully having guys back, we'll be able to pressure pick it, uh, force their wide receivers, which are undersized for the most part, force these guys to go up and make a play. Um, so, but I think it'll be a competitive game. I, I don't know what we're favored by, but it's probably way too much. I think it'll be competitive, though. I, I think Pitt will probably hang in this. It'll be a fourth-quarter game. I don't see I don't see DJ coming in because we're blowing him out, nothing like that. I would expect us to win by, you know, maybe seven, ten points. I, I think this will actually be a pretty pretty good game. The spread is at 24. They're, they're a good matchup for what we do. Spread's at 24? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be more eight or nine. That's probably where I'd be. I'm I'm interested to see that matchup in the trenches. Like you're talking about your offensive line and their stout uh defensive line that they have. Yeah, I think I think both defensive lines are gonna dominate. Oh yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. I feel like it's in pass protection, we're pretty good. And that's where they're pretty good. So I kind of look at their defensive line a little bit like Miami. If we can, if we can get their defensive ends off balance and not let them pin their ears back and just blitz us all night, I think, I think we can get them because not yeah. having Paris Ford back there anymore opens up a lot. And then obviously, I mean, we, you have Trevor Lawrence. So yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not really concerned about what you do scheme wise. I'm worried about who you, who your, your gems and Johnny's are on defense. Yeah. Oh, it, I would say this, though, when y'all are full strength, I would say if y'all do have a weak, weak link in the team, it's probably the offensive line. 100%. And It's just because our starters aren't that great and we, yeah. don't have, we don't have a ton of depth. It's not like we're mixing in a bunch of average guys. We have some average guys up front and then some bad ones behind it. So. Yeah. I'm also yes, looking for <laughs> Yeah. And like you just, I'm not going to repeat what you just said, but Travis needs the ball. Best, maybe best player in the country. Got to give him the ball. And put him at Wildcat, yeah. damn it. Just do something. Do whatever you got to do. Because yeah. like, I, like I talked about um, in the preview for the Notre Dame game, I said we got to get in Miami tight touches. Because Miami, I think he had 17 carries for 140 something yards, 12 targets maybe eight catches, nine catches. So the, but the way that he got his touches, it was, it was not just a straight zone handoff up the middle. It wasn't an RPO read with a freshman quarterback who's probably not super comfortable pulling it and making that throw. So you, you have to think that if, if you have a, a plate, I mean, maybe it's not even play calling, but you just have to find ways to get Travis to the edge. He's not an inside the tackles guy. In zone run skis, if you can open up the middle and just let him run for 10 yards untouched and get to a safety like we've been able to do, he'll make the guy miss, absolutely. So why do we not just get him to the edge and just try and get him into the second level? Like, stop trying to run behind your weakness. Throw more quick screens if we got to beat Auburn a little bit. But just trying to negate your offensive line as much as you can because against teams like Ohio State, I mean, even Bama has an athletic front. I just – I do not have a good feeling about that if we make it at that point. Yeah. Even against Notre Dame again, I just – I don't know what we do. It'll be interesting. Hopefully another Clemson loss. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. We can only hope. But as as you heard in the intro, Sid is not with us today. So, I guess the three of us can tag team the Georgia Tech versus Duke overview. So, whoever wants to start that off. Yeah, actually, I have a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, so, the first thing is you notice that I said that, the you know, who has the most interceptions, it ties into this game. So, you have the – basically, this is the interception bowl. <laughs> you know, Chase Price leads the country. Jeff Sims is second, hot on his heels. So, I think whoever wins this game is going to be whoever has the fewest turnovers. Also interesting to note that Duke has the two best defensive ends in terms of, you know, sacks, tackle for loss in the ACC. They got Chris Rumpf, who's extremely good, number 98. And then on the other side of him, they have Victor DiMacchese, who's also very, very good. Georgia Tech does not have a particularly good offensive line. So I think that might get whooped a little bit there. I think that this is probably – I'm going to put it this way. Vegas has the line on this even. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good of a game this is. 
Yeah. That's how good of a game this will be. And it may not be the most impressive football, but it will be the most competitive football we see all year. Because here's the thing. I don't think Georgia Tech schematically is inept. And I don't think Duke schematically is inept. I think Cutcliffe is still a good coach. I, I, I think he's a good coach. So I just feel like when you have players like Jameer and then you stack him up against a Duke defensive line, or you have players you know, like David Curry, but then you remember that Chase Bryce throws all the interceptions in the world, like neither one of these teams has enough strengths to say, okay, I feel comfortable picking them. Like this is, this is, this might be the best game of the year. This is a literal toss up. The, the definition of toss up. Yeah. I mean, dead even spread. That's crazy. I don't even, I mean, yeah. There's nothing else to say about it. Yeah. It's going to be that good. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know much about Duke. Except for that Chase Bryce. Is, Who cares? Who cares? The line is, is even. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, this I, is a I, big don't even, game. I don't even know where we're going to do picking-wise that game. Yeah. I think yeah, I'm going to just flip a coin, to be honest with you. You might as well. This is a huge game for both teams, though. Because you want to at least beat other teams that are, you know, about on par with yeah. you. Well, I mean, you want to be able to be like, yeah, we lost to teams better than us, but at least we can we can beat Duke and we can beat the bottom people. <laughs> the, the bottom yeah. teams. In the you want to beat enough people so you're not at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be at the bottom. You want to beat Duke. Yeah. So, <laughs> But I'm sure Sid would have had a more in-depth take. That's, that's kind of all we have right now with him being gone. Um, but now we'll hop into the Georgia-South Carolina game. It should, should be Georgia-Georgia Tech-South Carolina-Clemson this weekend for rivalry week, but unfortunately we don't have that this year. But I guess for South Carolina, this is a a good game to replace with it. So, um, Dimity, you want to start or you want me to start? I mean, I don't care. I'm, I was planning on just going in and out with you oh, yeah, the whole fine. time. I was just going to go over a little kind of roster injury update for South Carolina. Um, Shy Smith doubtful with a concussion. He got just crunched last weekend um, by like three. Yep, picking Georgia. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good news. Like three or four guys. He just got crushed, concussion, and uh, he's doubtful. Mike Bowen did not sound like he was he was going to play um, in his press conference today. The carry on joiner was out, but he is not probable. Xavier Leggett is out for the year, I believe. Um, Jordan Birch and Tonka Hemingway, both D linemen, they're both questionable, uh, but should play. And then, like I said last week, Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson, both two D linemen are out for the season. So receiver and D line uh, is just at this point sort of a patch job. Um, whoever whoever plays a position, go out there and just try to do your best. And, you know, you got to add that along with the depth questions at DB now that JC Horn, Israel McQuamu, and RJ Roderick all opted out. But I'll give a little, yeah, I'll give a little rivalry overview here, just like record game, record wise. So the overall record is 51 and 19. Well, 51, 51, 19 and two, Georgia's way. Since 2000, Georgia and South Carolina is 12 and eight, Georgia's favor. In the past decade, it's five and five. USC three and two at home, UGA three and two at home. And Georgia's been ranked higher in all but one season, 2011, when USC was sixth. And then, I guess, 2016, they were both unranked. But so that leaves 39-11 and 11 
uh, before the year 2000, which is where the bulk of the, the domination in quotes comes from that you're talking about. So 39 and 11, that's domination. Before the year 2000, so it doesn't really matter. Very, very far and away. I just wanted to throw those out. I yeah. thought it was interesting. I didn't know that it was since 2000, which is kind of, I mean, shit, I was four years old, so I wasn't even into football then. But it's a lot closer than I think a lot of people probably think it is, 12 and 8 and 5 and 5 in the last decade. But, I mean, that has nothing to do with tomorrow's game. I was just – I was look, I was looking, doing some research and, and saw that. I thought it was interesting. But going back to it, I, you know, I don't know who the QB is going to be. Um, I guess, technically, they haven't made an announcement – there is some information out there that Luke Doty did get all the first team reps today. And then Bobo in his calling show tonight said that the starter got all the first team reps today. So um, if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Luke Doty getting his first start as a freshman in the SEC against one of the top defenses. So that, that's going to be, it's going to be super interesting. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, Georgia's really good, most talented roster in college football, on paper, at least. And they found – they finally found their quarterback in JT Daniels that brings that downfield attack that they've been looking for so desperately. He's a lot of arm strength. He throws with accuracy. What was – he was what, like what – what was his percentage uh, last weekend? 73. Yeah, so he throws with a lot of accuracy. But like you said earlier, he's not very mobile. You know, I think he can move in the pocket well. I think he has good pocket awareness, but he's not really going to be a guy that, you know, you're threatened by to tuck it and, and burn down the field. Um, obviously, it's Georgia. They have a stable of running backs back there that can all tote the rock, honestly. Pickens is back and looks 100%. Had a really good game last weekend. Had a lot of targets kind of the guy that everyone thought Pickens was going to be, the, the, the workhorse receiver out there. And then obviously Jermaine Burton, like I said, was a kid that was going to break out at some point, and he did it last week. He's going to have some confidence coming in after that, and not even mentioning the leading receiver, Kears Jackson. So offensively, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not a great matchup, to be honest, offensively. Um, especially with South Carolina's, like I said earlier, South Carolina's just low, just so low on, on defensive players. And it's like every game is just a different, is a different depth chart, different, different thing going out there. So uh, it'll be extremely interesting. And then shoot defensively. Yeah, I'm looking. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm looking to see, because I feel like coming in um, to this game, uh, Smart and Dan are going to, you know, when, this is what this is how I would look at it. I mean, if you have a guy, Luke Doty, coming in and probably going to trot out there and start his first career game, you know, I would really just focus on loading the box and stopping the run and making Doty throw the ball. Because, uh, you know, Kevin Harris has been a workhorse with 13 touchdowns this year. Um, I feel like if we, you know, limit him to – you know, 80 yards or fewer um, and make Doty throw it, then we're really going to see, you know, what Luke's potential is going to be, you know, yeah, in the future. Yeah. And I, I absolutely expect that to be George's game plan. I mean, I think that's a part of the reason Bobo's not tipping his cap to who's actually going to be the starter. 
Um, I would put a lot of money on it right now that Luke will be the starter. But, I mean, I guess Bobo's just trying to use anything he can to his advantage, uh, maybe hoping that y'all have to prepare for both Colin Hill and Luke Doty, maybe be able to catch you off guard with, with Luke Doty's wheels. But I just don't don't see that happening, I think. You know, Georgia's linebackers are really good and extremely athletic and fast. You know, Monty Rice and, and uh, N'Kobe Dean, two guys that fly all over the field and they're always always in on tackle. And Georgia brings a lot of a lot of different blitzes. They bring blitzes from everywhere. They've got a package for for every guy to to come in and blitz pretty much. Now, like you said, I mean, they usually Georgia usually plays a lot of too high split safety because because well they can because they have the linebackers and D line to be able to do that. Um, but like you said, I, I see them kind of stacking the box right here and making Luke Doty beat him with his arm because I mean. Obviously, he hasn't proved that he can do that yet. I do think, though, that, you know, you will see uh, Luke's athleticism come out a lot, and he'll, you know, get first downs by using his legs and scrambling, you know, because you just can't really beat that speed at quarterback. Um, oh, he'll be running. Yeah. He'll be running. <laughs> <laughs> he'll I, be I definitely running think, away all night. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's going to be – the bulk of, you know, or he could come out and shred, you know, you never know. Um, Our secondary is liable right now, like I said earlier. Um, But I feel like a bulk of the, you know, big plays are going to be with his feet. I mean, they kind of have to be because you look, you look at the the depth of receiver right now, Shai Smith and and Xavier Leggett were the top two guys coming into the season. They were one and two and now they're both out. I didn't know they were going to be out. Uh, yeah, so now they're both sucks. out. So, and not even not even like Xavier Leggett was having a good year, but he was still number two. Yeah. So where's to carry on Joiner and all this? He, he was, about to play. He about yeah, to play. Well, he, he he's been banged up, so that's why he didn't play much last week. But he should. He I think uh, Bobo said that he practiced really well uh, yesterday. Wait, so he probably yesterday. about to play hella snaps. He's going to have to. Him, Jalen Brooks, Josh Van, and the two freshmen. So you mean to tell me that the guy who came in and held off Georgia at quarterback last year is about to have receiver. is about to have like 10 or 12 targets at receiver? That would be sweet if he did. If he goes for 100 yards and wins a game to carry on Joiner, we're going to have to rename Athens. <laughs> <laughs> They went, went, you know, it would be crazy if they brought out Holinsky again just for that game. Just to do it. What's, what's up, guys? Remember me? Yeah. Holinsky is the unnamed starter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be throwing a wrench into it. That would be crazy. I'd be all for it, though. I'm down. I feel like he's the up. best one. I feel like as of right now, Holinsky is your best bet. That's my opinion. I think probably traditional quarterback-wise – you're probably right, but I think for what South Carolina needs with, you know, how they're built right now, I think Luke Doty is probably the best option because of his ability to, to scramble around. I agree, but you also got to put the best player on the field, which leads me to yeah. believe Filinski's not the best player. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. So, but yeah, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I expect Georgia to spy Luke Doty with either a linebacker or – you know, whether it be linebacker or safety. I think their linebackers probably have enough speed. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Have enough speed to contain Luke Doty 
for you know a decent amount. I think I think he's he's gonna break a couple, you know, nothing like 50 yard runs, but break a couple, you know, 10, 12 yard runs for first downs. Um, but I wouldn't expect him to have you know 100 yards on the ground or anything. Um, um I I will say this uh, just because I thought about it with uh, Jordan Davis, you know, still being out. He's probably done for the year, honestly. They keep saying he's day-to-day, but at this point, you know, he has draft stock potential, they said. So, I don't really see – if he does come back, it's going to probably be – What was his injury? Uh, he fractured his elbow. Fracture, that's it, okay. Yeah, so, like, he just, like, chipped his elbow in, in layman's terms. Um, how, long is it, how long has it been, though? You gotta think if you're in a cast, most time it's what six, eight weeks. It was the Florida game, mm. so it'll probably be Vandy or our Missouri makeup, which I hope he, I would hope he would come back right when he's ready. I think LeCount's gonna come back too at the end of the year and play in the bowl game as well. So, um, but anyway, what I was saying is, um, I, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of dives with Kevin Harris up the middle just because we don't have that beef at nose tackle. Um, because like you were saying earlier, if he gets on the edge, I feel like our linebackers are athletic enough and guys like Tyreek to not let Kevin Harris spread the spread sideline to sideline. If I think he's going to have to get a bulk of his carries up the middle to do yeah, some damage. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to be one of those games where he has a couple of just – busted runs where he's just running past everybody because in reality he's probably just as fast as the line as y'all's linebackers are so it's just he's, he's probably going to be not not really get the chunk runs but he'll probably hopefully he'll just be consistent on getting you know four or five yards um but South Carolina's offensive line is going to have to is going to have to really run block well and they have in a decent number of games. They have run block really well. I mean, you can see that by Kevin Harris's rushing stats. Uh, I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to choose either, run block, don't pass block. I mean, <laughs> I mean the yeah. man's averaging six yards a carry. I mean, that's yeah. stupid in the SEC. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, try to establish a run. The offensive line has to come to play. They cannot get abused or else it's going to get ugly. And um, – try to ease Luke into the game a little bit by making some, you know, screens, easy play actions, RPO type type throws, I think. You know, just a little slant route, stuff like that. Get his confidence up a little bit because, I mean, this is a huge game for a freshman coming in. So. I think I think, I think think it'll be an interesting matchup with, the, uh, with Carolina's offensive line run blocking, though. Because we saw Florida. Florida, when Florida wanted to run the ball, they could. Yeah. So I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Hopefully, I'll be in attendance at Williams Bryce. Um, and you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe Luke Doty is the savior, and he comes out and and scorches Georgia. Yeah, I told you, I'm driving home after <laughs> that happens. But really, looking at it, looking at little overview of it, it's a really bad matchup for South Carolina just with how the injuries have, have fallen out, where their weaknesses are. I mean, having weaknesses on the defensive line going up against Georgia that has those running backs, it's not something you want. And then they, they got JT Daniels in who can air, air the ball out, 
and you got all backups in the secondary. There's one starter still still left. So, I mean, it's a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup. It's not favorable for South Carolina at all. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> when you lay it out like that, it sounded way worse. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just a bad matchup. It's gonna have to be some type of miracle. Well, I think the nail in the coffin was Shai Smith being out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real bad. And that's your number one playmaker. Real bad, real bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it could get ugly. It could get very ugly. I agree. It could get very ugly. I don't. I don't know how to say that nicely, but it, it could get ugly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see. I don't see this happening. But I think the best shot is for South Carolina to kind of adopt what Mississippi State did and the fact that they were blitzing continuously. And uh, JT Daniels beat them to the air. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, at least they were in the game. You know, so yeah. shut down the run, make him throw the ball. Maybe you get a couple of good breaks, a tip ball interception, something like that. Flip some momentum. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have to be. It's Y'all are going to have to have turnovers. Or South Carolina to even have a chance. chance. Yeah. yeah. So, to even have a chance, they're going to have to be turnovers, and the ball's going to have to bounce the right way for South Carolina a bunch. Y'all better call Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not lying. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. But, right. hey, I mean yeah. – we're the same. I think the spread was the same last year for the game. And you know how that turned out? With a with freshman quarterback, too. So, you never know. Yeah. With two Fred. Well, I guess DeCaron was retro freshman. But, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. So, the, yeah. the beginning of the Luke Doty era. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. Hate that it had to be Georgia, though. Hate that it had to be Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with that – well, one one last thing, watching the Missouri game, I thought the guys that were on the field that didn't opt out that chose to, to ride with the team, I think they played their asses off. And I think the team looked, looked pretty good. I mean, defensively, I think they looked, you know, barring some things in the first half, I think they looked as good as they did against Auburn. So, and with a lot less, um, a lot less personnel. So I think the guys that are out there are going to play their butts off, but talent-wise, Matchup wise, I just don't think it's in the cards. Yeah, and sometimes it just be that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes when you just can't match up with a roster, you just kind of have to. I don't want to say moral victories, but you have to understand that this game is not so much about winning as it is having Luke Doty play, having Kevin Harris play. Like, yeah, just giving giving some giving giving you hope. Right. Right. I hope Luke Doty has a good game, though. I really do. I hope he does, too. I, every, everybody, everybody needs a good quarterback, and then we will evaluate. Yep, but with that said, we'll, uh, we'll move on to picks. We got some good ones this week. Kicking us off uh, Friday, we got some Black Friday games. Uh, we got Texas hosting Iowa State. Texas is a point-and-a-half favorite here. Yeah, I'm going to um, call out Sid's games this week because uh, he unfortunately could not make it. Um, Sid is uh, still in the lead, 58-31. Me and him tied last week. So he is picking Texas right here to get the uh, for sure dope over Iowa State. On the other hand, I think I'm going to go with Iowa State right here. Um, 
just because this kind of is another toss-up game in the Big 12 like they've been all damn year. And I really don't see that much of a difference between both of these teams besides Ellinger. You know, if he comes – if he goes beast mode, then they'll probably win. But Iowa State has a pretty dang good team. I mean, they beat Kansas State 45 nothing last week. And Kansas State has upset some teams this year. Um, even though – did they – I don't think they still have their starter at quarterback. Did they last week? No. Yeah, he's still out. Their quarterback's still. been gone for a few weeks now. Yeah. I like Iowa State right here. I'm picking them for the upset. Yeah, this one really is a toss-up. I mean, Iowa State's running back is an absolute beast. He's got 1,100 yards and 15 touchdowns. And, you know, Texas has Sam Ellinger. I don't think either of them have necessarily great defenses, especially Texas. Texas defense definitely has a bunch of holes. I think I'm going to go Texas right here, though. Um, I think Sam Ellinger, these, these are the games that he takes over and wins. So, I'm going Texas. Um, I like Iowa State here. Uh, I think Matt Campbell is a better head coach. Um, I also think, like Jacob mentioned, uh, Brees Hall. leads the country in rushing yards. He's the only guy over 1,000. He's like 1,100 yards, 15 touchdowns, as Jacob said. I mean, I have a, I have a feeling that they're going to be able to just control the tempo of this game. Their quarterback, Brock Purdy, has started off slow. Uh, he's come on of late. Um, I I think, again, I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, Texas very well could win if Sam Ellinger has a really big day, but but I, I think Iowa State will win this one. I mean, it's the – So, moving on. wins this is going to be the Big 12, right? Like, they're they're going to be with Oklahoma, the top two. That I don't know. I don't I'm know. Not sure. I don't know could how be. all that's shaking out. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have a Big 12 analyst on this show. Um, so <laughs> We tried to get one on here, but. Yeah, you know, we sent out some feelers. Um, it was, <laughs> but we digress. We digress. Moving on. Um, more Friday games. We have North Carolina hosting Notre Dame. Notre Dame, five-point favorite on the road. Yeah, I was uh, I was shocked right here. This is uh, on Friday night, to be honest with you. This is a uh, – this is a Saturday night game. Yeah, four o'clock um, game. Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge game. Um, I think it's going to be. I don't know, man, because I mean Notre Dame did look really good against y'all, uh, but you know, Trevor wasn't in the equation. I think I'm going to pick Notre Dame right here, and Sid did as well. He picked Notre Dame too. Um, but I think Notre Dame is going to win this game by more than five points just because of UNC has been, you know, splotchy all year long. They'll have a really good game, and then they'll almost lose, like, to Wake Forest. Um, so that's why I'm picking Notre Dame. Yeah, this one – this is another really good one. I mean, North Carolina is, is – Really explosive on offense. I mean, Sam Howell, like in the trivia question earlier, he's one of the top passers in the nation. The running backs, Williams, I forget his third. Javante. Yeah, Michael Carter and, and uh, Javante Williams, Javante both over 800 Williams, yards. Yeah, both over, eight, crazy. both over 800 yards. And then, you know, they, they also have some receivers that make plays. But their defense, man, their defense is what has been losing Bad. the games because they're, they're scoring points. Even in the games they, they lose, they're scoring a bunch of points. And, uh, you know, I think after watching Notre Dame play against Clemson, 
who I guess with their backup quarterback in is, is more – you can kind of relate it more to other teams like in North Carolina. You know, not I guess not <clears throat> not completely, but I think you know what I mean. But I think I think Notre Dame just, just has enough um, on offense and enough on defense to, to get this game. Yeah, I uh, I like Notre Dame, Notre Dame to win it. I think uh, I think this could be a really tight game though because, like you guys said, North Carolina can really score. Uh, so if their offense goes crazy, I don't know. I don't know. Can Can Notre Dame keep up with them? I don't know. But yeah, I think Notre Dame's defense should be able to to stop them a little bit. It's going to be another good game though. Those are two really good games on Friday. Um, but moving on, we have Indiana. Hosting Maryland, Indiana is a 12-point favorite at home. Yeah, um, Sid went with Indiana here, and I think I'm going to as well, which I will say, though, I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, oh, yeah, you know, this Maryland. is a trap game. This is a trap yeah, game. Yeah, the 12 points is a little far-fetched because, you know, Indiana's defense isn't great. You know, it's not poor, but it's not great. They're kind of average. You know, I think uh, Fields' pick, his three picks last week were more on his his part than Indiana's defense. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm looking for two of his brother to have a good game here because, you know, they're playing Indiana. But, yeah, I'm not with Indiana right here. They've, uh, they've shown promise. Yeah, I'm with you right there. I don't think Maryland has – has the guys to, to take this on quite yet. I mean, they got young, young Tua, um, the Dollar General version of Tua. Who I guess, I mean, for a young guy, he's he's been playing That's all right. Disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, is it not true though? And I then mean, yeah, yeah. And then I mean, you know, Indiana's quarterback Penix Jr. He's not the most efficient passer, I guess, but the dude just makes plays. The dude's just always making. Dude's just always making plays. Um, and then they got guys like Ty Fry Fogel and Watt Fillier on the outside that can make plays for them. And so I think this uh, this Indiana offense just kind of just kind of takes over and wins the game for them. And then Sam also chose Indiana. So Indiana full slate right there for the next game. Um, and by the way, Sam is having some technical difficulties, which is why I'll be reading these picks for the last few picks. Um, but the next game we have is Michigan versus Penn State. Michigan comes in as a two-point favorite. Um, what you got? Sid went with Michigan right here as well. I think I'm going to ride with Michigan too just because Penn State has proven they are one of the worst teams in the Power Five right now. And I think Michigan is a little better than them. They haven't looked great either this year. But I, I think I think Michigan wins. Yeah, this is this is another tough one because both teams have looked pretty poor so far. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think Michigan wins this game. I mean, Penn State is zero five. They've got they've got nothing going for them really. So I'm I'm taking Michigan this game. And then Sam also picked Michigan. So moving well, on to the next, next up, one, um... the Iron Bowl. Alabama versus Auburn. Alabama comes in at a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. 
this one's pretty easy. Yeah, uh, me and Sid are both riding with Alabama right here. This is going to be a uh, blowout. Yep. Me and Sam are also going with Alabama. It's a pretty easy one. I mean, Auburn has, has turned it on a little bit, but <laughs> not enough for Bama. Uh, the next game we got is Boston College versus Louisville. Boston College comes in as a one-point favorite. This one's just kind of a little hard for me um, just because, you know, Louisville's shown of late that they're pretty good um, or better than they were earlier in the year. But, you know, I think Boston College is a pretty dang good team. So I, uh, I'm picking Boston College, and Sid is picking Boston College as well. Yeah, I agree with you with that. Uh, Louisville – Hasn't really had the had the year that I, I think I thought they might. I thought their offense is going to be extremely explosive with the playmakers they have. Their defense is just, just not good. Just not good. So I'm taking Boston College here. And Sam is also taking Boston College. So the next game up, we got Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. And this called the Egg Bowl or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Bowl. Ole Miss comes in as a nine and a half point favorite. This is probably the hardest one for me to pick, um, mainly because if Mississippi State plays like they did against us last week, I think they have a chance to win this game. Um, but on the other hand, JT Daniels shredded their secondary, and Matt Corral is capable of doing the same with Lane Kiffin's play calling. So they both – both of their defenses aren't great. Um, I don't say know. the least. Yeah, I just – nine points is a stretch. I, I feel like this should be like a three-point spread. But I don't know. I really don't know because I don't even know who is going to come back from Michigan State – I mean, not Michigan, Mississippi State, and if they're going to, you know, have all – their guys back from COVID yeah. um, or not. Yeah. And who knows if this game will even be played. But my gut is telling me Mississippi State, man. I, I will say that. Sid, Sid went with Ole Miss. I'm going Mississippi State. I'm going to follow my gut, you know. Go for it, man. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for it. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think this is going to be – High scoring, like you said, the defenses are not good, and their offenses are pretty good. I mean, Mississippi State is pretty up and down, but if they get rolling, they can put up a bunch of points. Ole Miss is going to put up a bunch of points either way because they just have so many weapons. Matt Corral slinging it. Jerrion Ely is a good is, – is a really solid running back, and then the receiver, Elijah Moore, is, is an absolute beast. So I'm taking Ole Miss here, uh, but I think this is going to be the first – of many very good egg bowls between Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. Yeah. yeah. Another reason why I went with Mississippi State is because of the quarterback who started against us. I think he is going to be pretty good. He's, yeah, gonna, he's good. He's probably going to be Mike Leach's next protege. You know, yeah, he's good. He, he's had some good quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the next game, South Carolina versus Georgia. Georgia comes oh. in as a 21 and a half point favorite. Uh, what you got? 
Yep. Um, Sid went with the UGA right here, um, and I'm not picking against Georgia, and I probably wouldn't if I was not a Georgia fan either. So I'm riding with Georgia right here. No dogs. Yeah. Um, I guess going back a little bit, I completely forgot, but Sam also picked Ole Miss for the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game. Um, but back to Georgia-South Carolina, yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, is just a horrible matchup personnel-wise against Georgia. I mean, shoot, for most teams, it's a bad matchup personnel-wise against Georgia. But especially right now for South Carolina, where they're at with, with everything going on, really. So, you know, you should never pick against your boys, but I just don't really see a way that South Carolina wins this. So I'm actually picking Georgia right here. Uh-oh. And, uh, and Sam also picked Georgia to win. So last but not least, the game of the week, Georgia Tech versus Duke. Yep, uh, Sid's not going to pick against his boys like you just did. He picked it's Georgia a Tech. Little, it's a little different. <laughs> it is. Uh, he picked Tech, obviously, and I think I'm going to ride with Tech as well. Um, I feel like their, you know, offense is a little better. You know, like Sam said earlier in the podcast, both quarterbacks have a lot of picks. But, you know, Jameer Gibbs, I think, is a difference maker in that equation at running back. Um and I think Tech is hungry for a win because they haven't played in a month. Um, I actually don't think Duke's played in a couple weeks, but Tech's been out longer. So I think I think they're going to come out and, and win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. The spread is dead even like we were talking about earlier. I think this is a game of who who makes the least mistakes, who, who throws the least interceptions. You know, the, the team that throws the last interception is going to lose probably. So, I mean, it's a toss-up. Yeah. But like you said, Georgia Tech has had a month to go over things, to kind of self, self-evaluate. self And hopefully they fix that defense up a little bit because it's been bad. But I'm taking, I'm taking Tech here. And Sam also took Georgia Tech. So, Georgia Tech across the board right there. But that does it for our picks of this week. Could be right, could be wrong. We don't know. We never know. It's always a shot in the dark. But uh, last week, Davini and Sid actually tied um, since Sid has, uh, I guess to put it politically, he had prior engagements <laughs> that involved ditching the bros for you know how the saying goes. But so Davini will be the sole winner of this week, so he gets a minute to talk. Uh, I won't use my whole minute just because it doesn't feel right. I'll use 30 seconds because that's all I need. You know, uh, going into the South Carolina game, eh, oh, man, I feel like it's going to be a blowout. It's going to – we're going to absolutely destroy y'all, Jacob. It's going to be ugly. Oh, my God, I can't wait. I can't wait until I'm in the stands yelling at South Carolina fans about how bad they are. But that'll be fun. Um, going on to uh, Sid, because, you know, he decided to TS about Georgia a little bit when he had his minute. Um, tech, uh, still a question mark. Don't know where they're going with their program. People say it looks good. I'm not, I'm not really on that train, not seeing much. They're not different from – not that much different from last year, to be honest with you, you know. Jeff likes to throw a lot of picks. They're like all I can say is they're lucky they didn't play Georgia this year. And I feel like it's gonna be ugly these next, you know, two years. You know, I hope they get better. I will say that, but 
nah, they they ain't shit, and they won't be until they figure out what they're doing on defense. Uh, moving on to Sam, you know, uh, Clemson, man, it's it's frustrating to see them in the playoff every year. Um, you know, they do win some of those games, but at the same time, they, you know, they play patty cake um, every week in the ACC. There's not another team that can compete with them, um, except for this year, Notre Dame uh, joined because of COVID, and they beat them, so – you know, if I wish Notre Dame would move into the ACC, give them some more competition, but it's a joke that, you know, a team like Clemson is in a conference like that. Absolute joke. They should make it to the Natty every year, and they almost do. But, yeah, and that, that just makes me so mad. But I'll, uh, I'll conclude there. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll save you all the, uh, <laughs> the tears. Yeah, well, there you have it. That's what we have to say. Uh, kind of a weird episode, missing Sid. Sam um, had some had some internet trouble, so we lost him. But all in all, yeah, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving. And peace.